to Sound Tradition, where we examine the practices, theology, and traditions of the contemporary church from a biblical perspective. My name is Jason Shirk. And my name is Luke Hitz. Well, we've just finished our brief survey of the doctrine of baptism, and I wanted to get back to a topic that we introduced earlier, dealing with the Sabbath. And there will be a couple more podcasts dealing with this topic of Sabbath and Sunday worship. And if you remember our previous podcast, and I highly recommend listening to it if you haven't, we concluded our discussion with the idea that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, and so the Sabbath rest is to be found in Him. In this way, a regular Sabbath celebration is not required because the reality to which the Sabbath pointed has already come. We saw that the Sabbath was meant to be a shadow or a picture of something to come. During this podcast, we'll discuss why we worship on Sunday. And at the outset of our discussion, I wanted to make a few points clear. First of all, we do not believe, or at least I don't, I don't know what Luke <laughs> believes at this point, no. So we do not believe that... You make a statement and I'll say agreed or disagree. <laughs> yeah, there you go, okay. We do not believe that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. I agree okay? with that. Yeah, there you go, okay. It'd, and it'd be impossible to lay out all the reasons for why I do not believe that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath, but I will give a couple. One of them is a statement by Eusebius, an early Christian historian from the 200s, who wrote that a sect of Christianity, the Ebonites, practiced both Sabbath and Sunday worship alongside each other. So you have this idea that if they practiced both Sabbath and Sunday, they obviously viewed those two things as separate. Because if Sunday was the Sabbath, they would have just practiced Sunday. And then if Sunday was pointless, they would have just practiced the Sabbath. Were they a mixed congregation, Jews and Gentiles? I don't know a whole lot about the Ebonites. I just, I know, <laughs> I just know that he references this fact, basically. But, um, and I think, honestly, when you look at the history of this, we do see even Gentiles practicing the Jewish Sabbath early, early on. Yeah. because they wanted to be like the early Christians in a way, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't that S- Sabbath practice was abandoned early on. That actually doesn't happen until much later with yeah. the Council of La- Laodicea, really. So You probably had some churches that had who knows what many different ways that they things that they observed. I mean, you had the Judaizers saying had to keep all the law, but maybe mm-hmm. some people are like, well, we're just going to keep observing yeah. this little part of it for a little while anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, ha- you obviously you had Jewish Christians who practiced Sabbath as part of being Jewish. They probably yeah. kept still a lot of Jewish traditions, which probably wasn't terrible as long as they recognized it wasn't their salvation. But right. they'd done it their whole life. Why would they yeah. quit? Yeah, and the point, again, is with the Ebonites, by practicing both days, they're making a clear distinction between the two of them. Another um, quote that is important is one from Justin Martyr, who was born in 100 AD. So this is right after, literally 10 years after John, the Apostle John, dies. You know, you've got, or writes the book of Revelation, at least, okay? You've Mm -hmm. got 100 AD, Justin Martyr is born. And he taught that the Sabbath was a perpetual Sabbath in Jesus Christ and not a specific day. And the quote that that I have here is, The new law requires you to keep perpetual Sabbath. And you, because you're idle for one day, talking to the Jews, suppose you are pious, not discerning why this has been commanded of you. So it's the, oh, he continues on. He says, The Lord our God does not take pleasure in such observances. This is from his dialogue 12, uh, verse number 3. 
And the idea here is Justin Martyr was refuting Judaizers at the time. And he was making the point that you observe one day of idleness, and that's your Sabbath. But he's trying to make the point that God's purpose was that we would have a perpetual or a continual Sabbath that we experience in Jesus Christ. And we're not just choosing Sunday to be our idle day. Right, yeah. Which a lot of people through history observed it that way. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. When you look at the early church fathers, they really latched on to that concept of the Sabbath was an idle day, so they were accusing the Jews of just being lazy. And to them, the Sabbath was a day for holiness. Mm. And so the focus was a call to holiness, basically. And that's where you have your worship and all this type of stuff coming in. I think it's still there today. I mean, people practicing Jews today, every Sabbath, it's not just a day to sit Mm. around and... Yeah, they go to synagogue. They go to synagogue, and they, you know, they're, they're... examining themselves which is what kind of what we do on sunday or should be yeah yeah and it's just clear from just these two observations that were made by early church um, historians and uh, apologists that sunday was not viewed as a substitution for sabbath in the early church prior at least to the days of constantine so the second thing we want to make clear at the beginning is that paul allowed for the practice of sabbath worship as well as Sunday worship. We see this in Romans 14, verse 5, which we ended our podcast on the Sabbath with. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Paul is clearly dealing with this concept of a Sabbath observance, a special day, which makes sense because the church back then was primarily Jewish, and many of the adherents probably observed Sabbath but they also met on Sundays to celebrate Christ, basically. And so he's saying, in the end, if you want to hold to this day as a special observance for God and his rest and all this stuff, that's fine. But we are not to judge each other in the observance of days. Right. Yep. And the, th- the third point that I want to bring out before we start delving into this is the idea that Sunday worship is basically a tradition that has been passed down. So what, what is the definition of a tradition, Luke? The way we're defining it or the way most people define it? <laughs> Do it both ways. The way most people <laughs> define it is just something, you know, this way we've always done it or the way pretty much just the way my parents did, I think, for most people. It's the yeah. way the generation right before me mm-hmm. did things. But, of course, we're defining it as that which has been passed down all the way from Christ to us. You know, mm-hmm. Generation to generation, the truth has been passed down, is never lost, uh, I like I, I don't think we came out of the Catholic Church. I think there's always been people who are followers of Christ. Maybe, you know, not in the mainstream, maybe in the shadows, but there's always been Christians who've been passing on the tradition from Christ to us, and that's what we have in the Bible. Is right. That's the foundation for all these things. Yeah, and even in your illustration of things that we do because our parents did them, that still fits with our definition of a tradition. Something yes. that was handed down to you. Right. You know. Um, but that's as far as yes. it goes for most yeah, people you because can debate whether it's from Christ or whether it's from your great <laughs> right. grandparents or what you know, but yeah. it's still a tradition, something that was passed right, something on. was passed on. Yeah, and I, the reason I bring this up, one obviously is our podcast is sound tradition. We want to evaluate tradition, whether it's biblical, whether it's helpful, or whether it's something that we should just totally reject. You know, so the question is: is or is Sunday worship a tradition that we have to die on? die for basically you know 
and in where this is coming from for me is when we were in Nepal, um, Saturday actually happened to be the only day that people could get off. Oh, really? Just because of the way their (laughs) society worked? Yeah, because of the way their society worked, the way the culture worked and everything. So, and we don't necessarily publicly broadcast this a lot, but churches in Nepal met on Saturday. They did not (gasps) meet on Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) So. I'm I'm immediately not going to fund anybody in Nepal ever. No, no. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But when, when you look back and think about the culture of the early Christian church as well, yeah. you know, when were slaves going to get a day off? Did they? Yeah. So at <laughs> least it wasn't Sunday, you know, yeah. so, but. I mean, Jewish slaves, probably Sabbath day. If they were mm-hmm. good Jews, they would have been offset on Sabbath. Right. Yeah. So you, you have, you have this idea that Sunday literally is basically, it's like, it's a tradition. And where I'm coming from is, we don't have a direct command in the Bible that says you shall worship on Sunday. Correct. We have <laughs> principles of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves mm-hmm. and the benefits of being together as believers. But we yes. don't have a specific statement in the Bible that says you have to do it on Sundays. There's not really any handbook at all of how to run a church. There's just there's a few things, mm-hmm. a few little pointers here and there, but there's not really... Uh, I heard somebody say this. I thought this was interesting. There's things in the Bible that are descriptive and mm-hmm. things though that are prescriptive. Right. Yep. And prescription is pretty clear. That's you know do this, but when it comes to the topic of how to handle our, you know, do you worship which day of the week? There's not really any prescription. Right. So we're trying to go off of all the descriptions mm-hmm. to figure out what what we ought to do. Yeah, and it's it's not wrong for us to worship on Sunday even though there's no direct command to do so obviously correct that's yeah. that's the point of this podcast is we want to decide is this tradition helpful is it biblical in its basis because as we will see as we go through here there is biblical evidence for meeting together on Sundays you know now I believe that the Jewish Christians met multiple days during the week as well and I think yeah Luke's convinced <laughs> of that as well but there is there is evidence that Sunday was a special day in the Christian mindset, and we'll go into that some more. And so we have carried on that tradition from all the way back to then till now. What's the point of getting rid of that practice today? You know, right. so <laughs> well, it's pretty well ingrained. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you talk about Nepal. That's the only way they could get off work. I mean, it's it's expected in our culture now to. Right. For people to want to go to church on Sunday, you have mm-hmm. to you'd have to start that all over again. We, we're now it's Tuesday, you know. <laughs> yes. Why do you want off Tuesday? We go to church. Why? You know, nobody yeah. does. It, it would be an uphill battle to to change that. Yeah. I, obviously, I could think of some other solutions to the whole not off on Sunday issue. Maybe just have your services in the evenings every yeah. every night. You know. There are other things. You, <laughs> so, yeah, there are other things you could do. Yeah. But but the point again is is this that there wasn't a direct command that we should worship on Sundays, or at least only on Sundays either, you know. And so when we look at this idea of tradition, it is something that has been handed down to us, and it was handed down all the way from the beginning from the Christian church. This was a practice that they had, and it was something that they continued on. You can see it clearly in the second centuries, definitely in the third and the fourth centuries when it was legislated as a practice Mm -hmm. all the way down to today. And Paul's attitude towards tradition is found in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15, which 
is our theme verse for, for this podcast. It says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So whether or not Sunday observance is a clear command laid out in Scripture, even if it's just a tradition, it is still something that we should hold on to. Paul was commanding them to hold the traditions which they had been taught, whether by word or by epistle, and they were to stand fast in those things. So, And this kind of leads to where we really need to make more of the emphasis, is that many in our day have taken church attendance lightly. But the local body that we are called to be a part of is extremely important. Um, one of the passages that we'll be getting to in my Sunday school class is Hebrews 10, verse 25, which says we are not to forsake the, our gathering together or our meeting together, basically. And it says so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay. And the context of Hebrews, I've kind of hinted at this as well before, was you had people who were professing Christians. I believe they were not Christians. And they were faced because of persecution with the temptation to turn their back on Christianity and go back to Judaism. And ultimately, Paul's challenge is don't forsake meeting together because that is one of the ways that we will yeah. help each other, encourage each other not to give up and not to quit. You know, we are encouraged to exhort each other to good works and to encourage each other in those meetings as well in that same passage. Right. And so the author states here that we are to meet more and more as we see the day approaching, you know? So, so really, <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we want to talk about, okay, let's have church on Sunday, that's good, but why right. not want more of it too, you know? So yeah. we're all arguing about, can I get out of going to church on Sunday <laughs> when it should be, can I go to church more? You know, so... Can we get together yeah. more? Yeah, can we get together more? At, at, the yeah. very, at the very least, is this idea of we're meeting together, we're edifying one another. Right. And I, I know where Luke's coming from, and that is a lot of times when we have church services, it's not producing the results that they were meant to produce. We're not encouraging each other. We're not fellowshipping biblically with each other. Um, we're not helping each other grow in a Christian community the way that we ought to. Right. And so Luke's coming from this mindset of, okay, well, we need to have more informal meetings together. Mm -hmm. Right, Luke? <laughs> so. Yeah, of, of some kind. Yeah. Uh, probably could spend a whole podcast on that that yeah. part by itself. But uh, as far as what you just said, I mean, I think Sunday, you know, we, we've latched on to that as the tradition has been passed down. Mm -hmm. And we're locked in on that. And But there's other traditions, you know, how, you know, what what hour of the day, mm -hmm. you know, from this hour to this hour. Sunday school's at this hour. Yeah. Regular church is at this hour. And then evening church, evening service at this hour, and everybody does it the same way. And you have to have you know these elements in the service, and we those are all we do this all the exact same way. And there's no you know anybody who wants to do anything different. It's like well the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't do that, but our practice makes it out like if you don't do those things, mm -hmm. then you're sinning. We wouldn't say that, but our practice we're we're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there needs to be a way to fix the problems that have crept in because of formalism in our churches. Yeah. Um, it's not, church meetings are not producing what they were intended right. to produce. I'm not so. saying our Sundays, we just need to throw it all out. I'm no. not saying that at all. We can do something uh, else extra or we could change the way we do yeah. Sunday. Fine, you know, you know yeah. 
But it's not because we're saying Sunday, no, Sunday's not the Sabbath, therefore we can do it any day we, we want. We're not trying to say anything like that. Yeah. We are just saying, you know, let's think outside the box maybe. Yeah. Not not forsake what God has said in the, in the Bible, what we need to be doing, or tradition that's been passed down, meeting on Sunday, fine, you know, no problem with that. Yeah. But are we missing, are we, are we throwing out the baby with the bathwater? Are we, are we missing something because we're at this point just holding on to a tradition? Mm-hmm. For the at, at the expense of other things, right? Yeah, and I think I'll, again, like I said earlier, our attitude should not be how can I get out of Sunday service. Correct. Our attitude <laughs> should be what can I get more out of the Sunday service, or what else can we do yeah. as well as the Sunday service? I don't know how many. You know, it's hard to know without taking a, a poll or something. How many people their attitude is? I just don't want to be a church. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I can say from my own experience, there's been times I've just been tired. You know, you're, you're, you you get tired. You're working, and you're, you got a million irons in the fire, and you're tired. And you're like, well, I'm not going to go to church. You know? And that's probably a lot of people's excuse. You know, like, yeah. And then, oh, I'm coughing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sick. You know, it's okay, you know. All right, baloney. If you had something you wanted to go to that was really <laughs> special, you're really excited about, you were coughing, you'd go anyway. You know? yeah. But when it's church, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to spread my disease, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. But you know we shouldn't be looking for those excuses. But I but if there are, I mean there's times where we are emotionally tired or we're stressed and we're or maybe we, maybe I think a lot of people in a lot of churches are disappointed with their church and they're so like I'm not excited about going. Why I'm not I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay home. Yeah, and all those things kind of play into a current trend where um, we have this emergent church philosophy where the church itself is not actually important. Just being yeah. a Christian out in the world is what's important. And I think that philosophy is in direct contradiction to what the Bible says. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 12 talks about the spiritual gifts that have been gifted to the church for the edification of the body, you know. And you can't practice your spiritual gifts directly with other people unless you're meeting with other people. Right. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's you get you got to have that outflow to edify the local body of Christ. Also, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you and all this stuff. And how we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We're to edify one another and build each other up. I mean, the whole thing is extremely practical. I mean, it's... it's these are things that are needed. We need mm-hmm. to be taught in the word. So how are you going to do that? You, you need to meet together. You mm-hmm. need to talk to each other. You need to meet together. Okay, we live in a modern day. Could we do it over Skype? Well, you could. You know, <laughs> but there's, there's going to be an element same. that's yeah. going to be missed. There's going to be a lot of yeah. things that are going to be missed. Yeah. It's like okay, well I can watch it on TV. Yeah, but you're not. You're not having any communication with yeah. the other person. You're, you're not getting. <laughs> so. You're not meeting friends who you can mm-hmm. you know bear your soul with on really important things or when you're struggling. You yeah. know, there's things. You know, there's re- There's it's a very practical to meet together yeah i don't you know maybe there's it's maybe the why i've this is another topic why did god not say very specific things in the bible you, know, you could pick a lot of topics you know god why did god say not to watch tv or well they hadn't been invented yet but but whatever the topic you want to choose it seems like well why is god silent on that topic i said well maybe it's because it's common sense you know <laughs> it's just pretty obvious you know yeah. god, god didn't say meet on sunday or, or yeah. which day of the week so well yeah but it's pretty obvious we're supposed to meet because how else are we going to do all the things we're supposed to do in the Bible? Right, and you notice that you don't have any examples of a Christian who didn't go to church in the Bible. You know, It's not yeah. really even been the practice until recent era. Right. In fact, I've got a quote in here by John Stott who 
just so everybody knows I'm not endorsing. He's not necessarily one of my favorite authors in the world, <laughs> but I thought the statement was good. He said, I trust that none of my readers is that grotesque anomaly, an unchurched Christian. The New Testament knows nothing of such a person, for the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. And that kind of just it hints at this fact that the church is important to God. Yes. So if it's important to God, it should be important to us as well. You know, and that that should be our heart. It shouldn't be, I don't need them. I can just stay at home and hear yeah. my Joel Osteen preacher on TV. <laughs> and, you know, so. But the church, you know, and maybe this is Christian ABCs, but the church is not the building. You right. Know, it's not the place. Yeah. It's the people. Yeah. You, you can't be, you say, oh, I don't go to church. I don't think that's necessary. Well, you, you are, if you're saved, you are part of the church, but you're just excluding yourself. Having, having said that, I think it's important that we return to our discussion of Sunday worship. And as part of my research on this topic, I've been going through a book edited by D.A. Carson called From Sabbath to Lord's Day. If you really want to dig into the details of how the early church viewed the Sabbath, how they viewed Sunday, and all this stuff, this is a great book to, to pick up. Really, it's a collaboration of a bunch of different men who are working on their doctoral theses at Cambridge University. They got together, they collaborated, they compiled everything together, and that's how the book came in, into being, basically. But in the book, they argue some of the points by, by a man named Bacchiochi, sorry, Bacciochi, sorry. <laughs> looks, like, uh, looks like broccoli. <laughs> yeah, so an Italian philosopher whose premise was that Sunday worship began in the second century as a substitute for the Sabbath. And his argument is based on four main points. The first point that he makes is that Sunday worship could not have originated in Palestine Christianity since Jewish Christians celebrated the Sabbath. Okay, and you can see some examples of this where even Paul, when he went into a village, where did he go first? He says he went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue and most likely on, this, on the Sabbath day. You know, so you have, you have Jewish Christians in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But as we've already pointed out from the Ebionites example and then from the passages we're going to look at in the Bible, they also met on Sundays. So the very fact that both were being practiced in early Jewish Israelite Christianity shows that there that, that Sunday worship did originate even all the way back then. It didn't originate in the second century, as his argument says. His second point is that the Sunday worship arose in the second century as a result of Roman anti-Semitism. So you had this period of time where Rome kicked the Jews out, okay? And there's this prevailing philosophy of hatred towards Jews. And so Bacciochi's argument is that Christians, afraid of persecution, decided to distance themselves from Judaism by worshiping on Sundays instead of on the Sabbath, basically. And really, if you think about it, though, the early Christians, if that was their desire to distance themselves from Judaism, why did they still hold on to the Old Testament scriptures why, do, why did they still claim <laughs> to be worshiping the same God as the Jews yeah. and all these points? They, they really, they didn't distance themselves enough if that's, that's all that was the motivation yeah. behind going to church on yeah. Sunday. Motivation may have simply been, we don't want to die, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. So we, we meet on a different day. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just the first thought. But like, like I've said before, 
it's pres- it's provable from these other points that they worshipped on both days. It yes. wasn't it wasn't an either or situation. So, and that goes all the way back to the first century, not the second and the and the third. So his third argument is that Sunday worship was accomplished because of the Church of Rome persuaded all the other churches to adopt it in the second century. The problem with this argument is that Bacciocci is assuming that the Roman church was as powerful in the second century as it was in the third and the fourth century. If you look back at history, what was the one single event that made the Roman church powerful in its influence over all the other churches? Well, was it Constantine who made it legal? Right, Constantine making Christianity legal. Really, Roman Catholicism started at that point, okay? And so you have the Roman church's influence spreading because of that decision that Constantine made. This is not the same time period. Second century AD is earlier than Constantine. So, right. right. He was in the 300s, late 300s? Late 300s, yeah. And really their power became solidified more in the 400s, you know. So in the second century, we, and we have an example of this in, at the end of the second century, the vicar of Rome tried to make the other churches adopt a Sunday Easter. Now, you, this is kind of separately related, but there was a debate about whether Easter, the holiday, should be celebrated on the 14th of the month Nisan or should always be on a Sunday. Because the 14th of Nisan would change days depending on what right. year it was. Right. But the vicar <laughs> yeah. of Rome wanted it to always be on a Sunday. And he tried to push this on the other churches, but he got major pushback from all the churches huh. of Asia and from other churches in different areas. Interesting. And so it just shows that the power of the church at Rome at that time was still Not, limited. It yeah. wasn't as extensive as Bacciochi assumes it must be because he's reading back into history what their power was later on, basically. Right. So the fourth argument that he makes is that Sunday worship was a form of syncretism since it was already popular to celebrate the sun god on Sunday. And so these Christians in Rome just adopted Sunday worship that was already existing in Rome because they worship the sun god, so we're going to worship our god. And our god, it makes it easier for us to talk about our god because Jesus is light and all this stuff, you know. It's the same argument that's used for... For Christmas, it's like, hey, they're being persecuted, so they borrowed Roman holidays. Right. So nobody was like, what, what are you celebrating? Well, of course I'm celebrating yeah. a Roman holiday. You know? yeah, <laughs> but and, they're and, really and you do have else. that argument with Christmas, but that the Christmas switch, the syncretism with Christmas, that occurred after Catholicism, after Constantine as well. And so mm-hmm. I think he's making a... He's making an assumption, and he's taken for granted that early Christian church would have rejected paganism. You know, he's assuming that the church after Constantine is the same as it was before Constantine. And it makes sense that the church after Constantine would have adopted syncretistic practices because with the freedom of religion and, in fact, the promotion of Christianity under Constantine, it was more popular to be a Christian. So there probably were a lot of people who are not real Christians claiming to be Christians at that time. I I find the whole... I need to do my research on this, but I find the whole process of the Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church coming into power, I don't think it was 
brought about by people who really cared about Christianity. No, yeah, it, it, was it was definitely power play. corrupt power <laughs> yeah. play mm-hmm. of people. And it, and then you know, obviously down the road, you get into the dark ages because they were suppressing knowledge. Right. But that's much further down the road. Yeah. So we've dealt with kind of the background, the historical side of this. I want to get into the Bible passage. We're running out of time here, so I want to make sure we hit on these. And before we get into it, I want to just state that we're not going to deal with the resurrection passages this week, as I want to dedicate more time to them in the next podcast. But the first passage that deals with the first day of the week being a day of worship is Acts 20 and verse number 7, which says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So here in this passage, we have mentioned two of the purposes for church meetings in the early church. You remember Acts chapter 2, when it, when it talks about what they did when they gathered together? There were, I believe, four different things. They were in the upper room. The, uh, you talk about Acts 2, but Pentecost happened? It's after Acts, after Pentecost. So they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking of bread, and and prayers, and I believe it's fellowship. I should have written this down. I don't remember what the fourth one was. Yeah. So we've got got these four things that were characteristic of early church meetings. And Luke and I, we've had a little bit of a disagreement on on this phrase, (laughs) the the breaking of bread. But I just want to point out that many, many um, commentators view this as the Lord's Supper. But when you look at, at it textually, there is evidence that it could either just be them having a meal together or it could be the Lord's Supper. It's not a definitive statement that this is the Lord's Supper. But what I think is important in the passage is that phrase that the disciples came together to break bread and Paul preached unto them. There was a specific purpose, a specific Right. motivation for this meeting, you know, that sets it apart from other days of the week. So First uh, Corinthians 16 verses 1 through 2 is the next passage says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So here you have this idea that the church was co- commanded on the first day of the week, every first day of the week, to gather together and to collect their offerings that they had promised for the relief of the Jews in Jerusalem who were facing persecution. Um, One side note, I thought it was interesting that when you look into that phrase, the first day of the week, literally it says every first sabbaton, every first Sabbath. So I thought thought that was an interesting thing that we probably would want to clear up clear up there but the <laughs> the idea here is <laughs> yeah. and when when i first started studying it threw me for a loop and i couldn't find anybody who actually dealt with the greek text on this this section if you know of yeah. anybody who deals with it in a in a decent way let me know um, but from my study what i've got from what what i've re- researched and everything is that that word for sabbath in this case refers to a 7 day period of time And that is the first of seven days, basically, would be a literal translation of it. So he's saying every first of of seven days. That word um, upon in Greek can also be each or every. So that's where I'm getting that every every first of seven days. They are to gather together to collect the offering. 
And the idea here is that, from my understanding, it would make more sense to have a collection that is given to the coffers of the church on a day that I'm already planning on meeting together as right. a church, you know? So it, it just hints at this idea that they were already gathered on the first day of the week, so that's when they should be doing their collection. So. It would definitely be easier. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything in the verse that indicates that they were meeting together? Because just my reading of it is, upon the first day of the week, they went lay by him in store. What does that mean by lay by him? Were they, like, gathering it up at home, and then whenever Paul came, then they would all bring it? I mean, right. there to is, me, that would, I mean, that would seem more practical to me, but... Yeah. So there is evidence from the Greek text that the word for laying in store references to putting it into a treasury. And this is kind of consistent with the idea that Paul is commanding them not to have collections when he actually arrives. If you think about it, if they were to, if they were to keep this this money by themselves at their own home, that would defeat the purpose of not having a collection when Paul comes because he'd still have to collect it. So that kind of lays in this idea that they had to have put it into a treasury. Okay, so last verse that we're going to look at, we're running out of time here, is Revelations 1 verse 10. It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Okay, now... The, the idea here is that John was in the spirit. He was worshiping on the Lord's day when the book of Revelations, the vision of Revelation came to him, basically, is the kind of the idea. But what's important is not so much that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's important is the very phrasing, the Lord's day. Okay, Because when you look at the Greek words for that phrase, the Lord's day, it's not the same as you would see in many other passages because basically it's got you've got the lord's day versus the day of the lord okay right so the two <laughs> two different concepts two different phrases here and if you want to study this more more in d.a carson's book he goes into this idea that that phrase the lord's day in greek was already viewed as a special significant event a specific day that was um, honored and veered. Right. It's used in imperial or regal type terms and stuff like that in, in its secular Greek usage. So you could you could read that book and it'll give you more details about the yeah. usage of that phrase itself. Certainly but, makes sense. Yeah. But basically the idea here is that as of John's time, Sunday was already viewed as a special day, basically. Right. So, And that that's what we're coming to. It's not that we're saying... Sunday worship is commanded in Scripture. We've already said this, but it was a special day. They viewed right. it as a special day. Well, and how could you not? I mean, that was the, yeah, the, day, the, the, the day the Lord rose. The day the Lord rose. Yeah, which and we'll it, deal it was with next so week. fresh in their minds. You know, they'd lived and seen it every Sunday. They'd probably thought about it. Yes, this is the yeah. day the Lord rose. And really, when if you think about it, if that tradition was so important to them for that reason, it should be important to us for the same reasons mm-hmm. as well. You know. So next week we're going to deal with the resurrection passages because there is debate about whether Jesus rose on the Sabbath or actually rose on Sunday. Yeah. You know? So so we'll we'll deal with that a little bit more, and I'll, a lot of that goes back to Luke's statement about the when the Sabbath began and ended and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. as always, we if you have questions, feel free to chime in on our our messaging part of our podcast. Yes, please. We'll try to get to those <laughs> questions. Okay. So, but grace and peace be with you.